I am sick and tired of the Memphis Grizzlies being disrespected. First and foremost, all right, first and foremost, they are not selected as a legitimate contender in the Western Conference. In my opinion, third isn't good enough. Secondly, Brooke Lopez is a better defensive player than Jaron Jackson Jr. On what planet? And the worst part, the absolute worst to Michael, is nobody voted for Taylor Jenkins for Coach of the Year. Who voted for this? You? I did. Oh, you I did. did. I right. did. I voted on here, but I can explain it. I can explain my reasoning. You better do so on this episode of Locked On Grizzlies. Let's lock in. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Lockdown Grizzlies, your team each and every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on YouTube, like, comment over there. You can rate, review, subscribe, all those sorts of things wherever you get podcasts. All of it is appreciated and welcome here on Lockdown Grizzlies. I was frustrated to start the show. I'm not going to lie. But just looking at, just looking and listening to DeMichael Cole of the Commercial Appeal, once again, we're together. I can't possibly stay mad at you. And I'm sorry for yelling. I just get excited about the Grizzlies. You know that, DeMichael. You know how excited I get. It's good to see you again. It's good to see you, Joe. It's it's always exciting to talk about good, fun things, right? You're just talking about one of the most exciting teams in the NBA. You're talking about, you know, a team that right now has the longest active winning streak in the mm-hmm. league and has tied. They had a seven-game winning streak in December. Now they have one that's kind of carried over into January. So uh, they're playing good basketball, Joe. I don't see why you wouldn't be excited to talk about it. Well, I'm excited to talk about them, but I'm also excited to be angry. And not necessarily just at you, DeMichael, because that's not fair to you. First off, you're wonderful, and I can never stay mad at you. But the other 29 content creators out there about the NBA, various beat writers, very smart people. I don't want to say they're not smart, but at the same time, we're going to talk the negative parts here first, DeMichael, because looking at this NBA midseason report card, and you might know the official title of it better than me since you participated in it you you official wonderful person you um it was a mid-season survey essentially of a variety of topics and the grizzlies were represented here and there and everywhere again our wonderful demichael cole was a part of that survey and we're going to start with what i and and again i want to make sure i'm not making people think i'm speaking for demichael i feel that it was disrespect with the grizzlies being picked third in the western conference as the most likely finals contender i think they were fifth overall in the entire nba uh you had the bucks i believe the nets teams like that in front of them the grizzlies were fifth or so and considering that they're second in the western conference they're in front of the clippers i think that i respect denver a good bit i think they're a pretty good basketball team and i think it's going to be a a team to get through in the west is going to be the denver nuggets i need to see it from the clippers still to michael i feel like we're going off of this hypothetical world where Kawhi and Paul George and John Wall and all these dudes figure it out. They have played some good basketball, but I need to see them physically do it to believe that they are a legitimate threat. I think they could be, but if I'm doing a mid-season report, and I know in fairness to you here, I believe you picked the Grizzlies to go to the finals out of the West, um, so I can't yell at you for this part. I I think the Clippers are being a bit overrated right now, and that frustrates me in this moment. Yeah, and and I'll I'll admit I considered 
the Clippers win, win comprising of, you know, okay, who's going to represent the Western Conference? And, I mean, I don't understand why you wouldn't consider them. When you think about just the totality of this roster, it's the it's kind of like a perfect NBA roster for modern basketball, right? If you want to play If the year small, was 2017. If, <laughs> if the year was 2017, says Joe. But, Joe, look, if you want to go small, fine. They got seven, eight wing guys who are really good. If you want to play big, they got, you know, Zubak down there who can bang with guys like, you know, Valanchunas, Steven Adams, DeAndre Aytons of the world, and so forth. So they have kind of the, the mix. They have the wings who can guard, you know, all these great scorers. But, again, the reason why I don't understand why the Clippers were put over the Grizzlies, over the Nuggets, over even the Warriors, uh, have we seen it? We haven't seen, seen this team. You know, the last time we saw them go to the Western Conference Finals, uh, Kawhi got hurt. Right. Uh, you know, Patrick Beverly was a starter on that team. Mm-hmm. He's not on that team anymore. So it's it's a lot of differences, you know, now uh, with this with this Clippers roster. And, and, and specifically, I, I will be the first to admit, I do think, you know, when we're talking about the Clippers, one thing that stood out to me is, quite frankly, I don't think they care about the regular season. And no. maybe that's what the writers uh, see. I mean, how many times have we seen, like, some people are getting frustrated by the fact that Kawhi Leonard will play two games and then he'll sit out one. And then Paul George will play a game and miss the next and play another one, then miss two and then play three. And, you know, like as a fan, you're like, man, when do I book a ticket? When do I get a ticket to go see this team play? Because I don't know who I'm going to get to watch. And that's why people are frustrated because you can't, you haven't seen the full product as much as we have with the Grizzlies and Nuggets. And I only can speak for myself. But when I took when I took into account for my vote was simply, okay, I've seen the Grizzlies close enough to full health to kind of have an idea what this team looks like. I've seen the Nuggets close enough to full health Mm -hmm. to kind of have an idea what this team looks like. And same thing. We we know what the Warriors are capable of. And those were probably the three teams and even the Pelicans. I think I had the Pelicans higher. Um, You know, we part of the survey we had to rank the top 10 teams in the NBA. And I think I had the Pelicans higher than the Clippers as well. So I think I had them fifth in my Western Conference uh, ratings overall. But, yeah, the Grizzlies were the team that I projected to come out, Joe. And kudos to you here on Locked On Grizzlies for, you know, recognizing uh, the, the, the ability <laughs> of what Memphis is capable of. Um, so that was my first thing that I was frustrated by, looking at the results. The next thing that I was frustrated by, and I know you didn't do this because there's no way – that you would have put Brooke Lopez in front of Jaron Jackson Jr. for Defensive Player of the Year. You could argue this was probably, aside from something we'll talk about later on in the show, this was one of the places where Memphis performed the best, right? I would say at this stage it's either Brooke Lopez or Jaron Jackson Jr. But Brooke Lopez has Giannis on his team and Drew Holiday. Brooke Lopez is a veteran presence, whereas Jaron Jackson Jr., while he's played a lot of basketball, is still 23 years old. I think that looking at the numbers, again, Jaron's block percentage is 6%, which is ungodly. That's phenomenal. Uh, Brooke Lopez's is 4%, which is really good. But I think when you look at the roster construction, the way that you know Jaron has done things, the Grizzlies' defense is more dominant when Jaron is on the floor. I think he's uh, the, the Grizzlies' defense is number eight points one right better. Yeah. Right, number one in the entire NBA. He's yeah. the best defensive player on the team. And again, the Grizzlies are eight points better when Jaron's on the floor defensively. The Bucks are only three and a half points better when Lopez is out there. To me, it's a no contest, but apparently uh, Brooke Lopez is the midseason defensive player of the year for some of these folks. I guess the main reason for that would be playing time, right? 
I mean, I think that's the huge caveat there. And and kind of going into that, I will say that this media survey, we probably got this, I want to say maybe two weeks ago, Hmm. a week and a half ago. So with that being said, depending on who and when they submitted their results, me, I didn't submit my results until I think around January 2nd, January 3rd. So if you just put that in perspective, uh, that's, you know, over a week ago. And that's three less games of Jaron Jackson Jr. I'm pretty sure just, you know, trying to look at it from a, a totality picture here. When this was submitted, it was around the time some people probably submitted it when the Grizzlies were going through that spell. Mm-hmm. You know, there was the Christmas game and then there was, you know, with Jaron Jackson Jr. in foul trouble. You got to think about it like this. You know, we see Jaron Jackson Jr. every single day. A lot of these people, they said, oh, it's Christmas, right? Everyone's hyping up this Jaron Jackson Jr. Season. Right. Let's, see, let's see what he's about. And then, boom, you see him getting foul trouble, and it's like, what? These these the same problems he's been having. This looks like yeah. the same Jaron to me. And, you know, next thing you know, you know, he goes on this torch stretch. But uh, I will say, like, some people probably filled out their ballots early because we what we've seen over the last week or so is even, you know, on the bed. I think Bet Online now has mm-hmm. uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. as one of the preemptive favorites for defensive player of the year. And, you know, he's kind of making that turn. Uh, I think right now at this moment he is the current favorite, but uh, yeah, Brook Lopez, great defender, but Jerry Jackson Jr. right now, I, I think with the way he's playing, it could potentially turn into a runaway. And for me, Brook Lopez, very good at the rim, very strong in terms of blocks. Obviously, switchability is key. Like if Jaron Jackson Jr. switches on to Devin Booker, it's not ideal, but I think Jaron can hang with Devin Booker for a possession or two. And Brooke we Lopez saw is getting torched. that final series. He was getting he they they took him out of the lineup. Torch. They had to take him out. It was yes, Bobby, absolutely. Bobby Porter's had to come in and save the day because Brooke. But to to counter, if I want to play devil's advocate here, it's a system, right? You know the systems are completely different with mm-hmm. the Grizzlies. You know they use Jaron Jackson Jr. and basically say, "Hey, fly all over the court, They're go wherever you want." The Bucks don't want him leaving the paint. Jared, I, I mentioned before, and you know, we've talked about this. Jaron Jackson Jr.'s role with the Grizzlies is kind of similar to the way the Bucks use Giannis. Right. Uh, Brooke Lopez is more similar to how the Grizzlies use Steven Adams. He's mm-hmm. just more of a shot blocker than Steven Adams. I think yeah. Steven Adams still protects the rim really well, I think, overall. But Brooke Lopez is better at that part of the game and protecting the rim. So I think when you talk about just the way stylistically they use them, that's the difference. But you, if we're just looking at the eye test, like me and you are talking about here, which is, oh, he can switch, he can guard positions, point guard, shooting guard, small forwards, he can hold his own against those guys. Jaron Jackson Jr., for sure. For sure. For sure, voters. Hopefully you're listening to this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies, and you can tell how upset I am with you. This episode of Lockdown Grizzlies is brought to you by Prize Picks. Uh, after this disrespect, I'm going to take Jaron Jackson Jr. having more than 10 blocks per game. Um, I, I think that's extremely important in his next game. He's definitely going to go off and get more than in that way. Uh, that, that would be my vote. I think that you should pick John Morant, who is returning against uh, the Spurs on Wednesday night, tonight. I think you should pick Morant to have more points than say, you know, 27.5 or something along those lines. Prize picks is a lot of fun, and I highly recommend you do some of these bets and then even more. Pick two to six players on 
on prize picks. And if they score more or less than their prize picks projections, you can win up to 25 times your money. You can do this for the NBA, NFL, playoffs, NHL, college football, college basketball, and more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. With safe and fast withdrawals, they are currently operational in over 30 states as well as Canada. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, excuse me, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. We'll be talking other parts of this survey next here on Lockdown Grizzlies. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Lockdown Grizzlies. I am one of your hosts, Joe Molinax, joined here by my co-host, Commercial Appeals to Michael Cole, Grizzlies beat writer there. And we're talking the NBA midseason survey that the Michael was fortunate enough to be a part of uh, due to his role uh, covering the Grizzlies over the Commercial Appeal. And we talked frustrations, or at least my frustrations. Again, I can't speak for DeMichael. So Jaron not being rated higher than Brooke Lopez. We talked about the Grizzlies being the third-rated team behind the Clippers. You know, again, the Nuggets make sense to me. Sense to me. I'm not going to be mad about somebody saying the Nuggets are better than the Grizzlies. The Clippers I need to see. And I guess we will see as the season plays out. Memphis hasn't – has Memphis played the Clippers yet? They haven't. They haven't that's what I thought. They haven't. So we'll find out here in the next few weeks or so. Um or maybe Kawhi will take another night off. But anyway, I digress. There were positive things about this survey for the Grizzlies, too. And I know that you wanted to lead off with a point that a lot of fans have kind of known for a while now, but yeah. it's good to see the NBA community as a whole sees it, too. Yeah, uh, the Grizzlies were rated the, the top young core uh, on that list. And, and, you know, it's no surprise to us, right? Uh, John Morant, I mean, I was sitting in the locker room uh, the other day, and and it really kind of registered for me, Joe. It's like, Jaws in his fourth season right now. Like mm -hmm. this is a, he has not been in the league long. This is just his twenty three years old, and same same age as Jaron Jackson Jr. Again, and then that came to my mind as well. Like Jaron, I mean, he's super young. Desmond Bain, right? He has he's still playing on his rookie contract, right? So mm -hmm. and then you you think about you know. uh Zaire Williams, what he can be. And you got two first-round pick rookies who aren't playing in the rotation right now, but who, you know, have shown signs that they could be pot potentially impactful players going Santi forward. Santi Aldama just turned 22, I believe, yesterday, right? Santi Aldama's probably going to be in the Rise of Stars game at this point. He, like, he's a sophomore, he, sophomore he, eligible. He's playing really good. So, so yeah, I think that was a, a, a no-brainer uh, when you talk about looking at the media survey and – you know, I'm not surprised, Joe. I, I I don't know if that surprised you, but but overall, it, it, the reason it surprised me, and I don't mean to cut you off, mm -hmm. it you hear people talk about the Hawks a lot, and I yep. think people have cooled on the Hawks core a little bit. New Orleans again, Zion's still relatively young. Brandon Ingram, who's injured now or has been injured, uh, but they still have a pretty decent young core there. <laughs> you people act like Boston is old. I think Tatum and and Brown are like 25 or 26. Depends on your cutoff for young, I suppose. Most people say 25 is, is the sure. cutoff. And I think so, that's where, yeah, those guys. So when you take that into consideration, I mean, the Grizzlies, and again, they keep adding, right? Like Santi Aldama is overperforming what I think anybody realistically wanted to see from him. If Zaire Williams gets added to that mix, you have another really oh. young rotation piece. And I know we've talked about it. He's almost certainly going to get it back 
I'm with you on that. We agree there. So I was surprised. It, it was good to see them be recognized in that way, in a way that I think that they should be recognized. But, you know, I'm one of the hosts of Locked On Grizzlies. That's kind of expected. It was good to see that from the national audience as well. Uh, what were some other positives that you took away from the survey to Michael? I think, I think you know, I didn't expect Stephen Adams to get the respect that he did, mm. you know, and, and, and rebounding. I mean, we, I, we were told I, he was washed a couple of years ago. We were told that he was washed, right? Right. He's that not trade, washed, though. That trade was, washed. was not supposed to work out, you know, for this team the way it did. Um, one thing, you know, that surprised me, uh, the, the scrappiest players in the NBA, I, I expected Dylan Brooks to be in the top three because he kind of has this villainous kind of, you know, he's known as this villain. But, you know, when I saw who the three players are on the list, it was no surprise. Jose Alvarado, Marcus Smart, and Drew Holiday. It's like, okay, yeah. you know, it's pretty – that's understanding, uh, you know, when you think about it from those guys. Toughest to guard, you know, again, that's another one where it's like, okay, you would have Ja in the conversation, but then when you think about, you know, the names that got votes, because Ja didn't even get a vote for toughest to guard. It wasn't that he wasn't in the top three. It was the fact that he didn't get a vote. But then when you look at the names, Joe, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, Luca, Stephen Curry, uh, Joel Embiid, Kyrie Irving, LeBron, I mean, who are you taking out? It's, it's, I would take out Kyrie personally, but the rest of them I don't I would know. Joe, he's I would replace Kyrie. He, he's, he's playing, playing field well, this year, but he's also in Brooklyn in the larger media market. I promise you, the media folks have watched more Nets games than they have Grizzlies games. I, I hear you. I would say all of those other names are fine. I would take out Kyrie personally, but yes, I think that you're right that there's a lot of pretty strong names on that list. Yeah, and so that those were but getting back to Steven Adams, I, I thought it was for one, you, you have to understand Steven Adams as a rebounder to understand why he's the best rebounder in the NBA. Uh Steven Adams doesn't care about defensive rebounds. But he does he, he, he says this. This is not me just putting words out there. Right. Steven Adams, he gets defensive rebounds when he's you know in the best position to and you know to win games at the end of the day he cares about winning so much mm -hmm. but he's not one of those guys that's going to dive all the way on the other side of the floor so oh i can no. get my 12th rebound and, and things like that i mean we saw in oklahoma city right there were a lot of times where stephen adams and russell westbrook were both in position to grab a rebound and he let russ get it so you think about plays like that. You think about seeing times like that in Memphis. Now, although he, I will say this, there are times where you can see, and John Conchar has kind of admitted it as well. John Conchar comes in there and flying, taking rebounds from Stephen Adams. And, you know, <laughs> Big Steve will let him know about it from time to time. But he does his damage on the offensive glass. Uh, I, I don't think, uh, you know, maybe Mitchell Robinson, but there's not a, another offensive rebounder who, well, I think it's even in his class right now. You know, he set the Grizzlies offensive rebounding record last season. And I think that's where he does his damage. You see so many times, like it's predictable at this point when a defender helps off of Steven Adams onto John Morant driving to the rim because you have to, it's John Morant. Uh, if your center doesn't help, it's a dunk. So he has to help at that point. You just know, Oh, if John misses this, it's, you know, it's Steven Adams' ball. If he makes it, the Grizzlies get two points. It's almost a win-win a lot of times in those situations. And that's because of Steven Adams' dominance on the glass. Uh, you know, DeMontis Simone is great volume rebounder, I think. One of those guys, he's going to clean up his area. And, you know, he does great work, right? I think he's on a streak right now. What is it, Joe? Like 17, 18 consecutive double-doubles? Like, he is yeah. he's playing some monster basketball, but then again, I mean, we just watched Stephen Adams go for 13 and 15, and it's like, ho-ho, another day at the office.
he's pretty impressive. Very physically intimidating. We talked about his size a lot. That was one of my biggest positive surprises, too, is the fact that he was respected in that way by those media members. So kudos to you, people that I was just yelling at several moments ago, for getting that part of it right. Uh, I, I think that Adams deserves his flowers, and he's probably the most unheralded reason the Grizzlies are on the run they're on. He deserves a lot of credit for it. We'll talk how the Grizzlies have continued that run and whether or not it will continue against the Spurs as they play another game against San Antonio at home tonight. But first, this episode of Locked on Grizzlies is brought to you by betonline.net, which is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. Basketball, the World Cup is over. You could have done it for the college bowl season. Obviously, the NFL playoffs are coming up. They've got it all at betonline.net. They're the fastest and easiest way to get betting info, and they have sports podcasts at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grizzly Spurs again. It's a little more interesting now because a certain number 12 will be back on the floor. We'll talk about that next here on Locked on Grizzlies. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Locked on Grizzlies. It is I, Joe Mullinax, joined by my wonderful co-host, my suave, debonair, uh, immaculately haircutted co-host to Michael Cole. And we are discussing Grizzly Spurs briefly because these teams just played recently. So it, there's not too much of a preview perhaps necessary. But I do think, as I alluded to before we went to break, the idea of Ja Morant playing in this game. And he's not even on the injury list at all, right? He is very much yeah. playing basketball tonight. Brandon Clark is still out. Maybe you can provide a bit of an update for him. Um, I'm not sure if you did that on the last episode or not. I might have missed it to Michael, but obviously it's a fresh injury report. And then, of course, again, the fact that Morant's not on it at all, barring some unforeseen circumstance, John Morant is going to create problems for a Spurs team that is going to struggle defending him. Yeah, and I want to. I'm going to look at it from a different perspective here, Joe. Right? Because Josh's plan in this game, I want to see how different it's going to look. You know, the mm. stats might not completely show this, but I'm going to look at it with my eyes, right? Uh, we saw how the Grizzlies moved the ball in that game, you know, without John Morant. We saw how at times they got stagnant, and you know, without John Morant when the Spurs went on the run, specifically at the beginning of the fourth quarter to take the lead there. We saw how Desmond Bain played, how aggressive he was. We saw how aggressive Jaren. I want to see if, uh, if those things are going to continue. How is the ball movement going to look different? You know, is it still – I mean, this game we just saw – Every Grizzly starter had, I think, three or more assists. First mm-hmm. half, everyone had multiple assists except Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, so uh, how how is this ball movement uh, uh, going to kind of continue to thrive? I, I think it was one of the Grizzlies last season, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. told me. It was one game after John got back, and I asked him. I said, all right, you know, we know all the good he brings. What's the one thing where you feel like, all right, we got to be cognizant of making sure we don't get into bad habits when John Morant gets back? And he said – we have to make sure we don't get caught ball watching. And ever since he said that, it stood out to me because if you look at the stats, even if you go back to last season, the Grizzlies were a better assist team when Ja was off the floor. And, you know, there was more passing. Overall, the three-point shooting was better. And I think the shooting was better because it wasn't as predictable. More guys got their hands on the basketball, as we saw in this past game. You know, shot well from three-point range because it's not just guys standing in spots waiting on pick-and-roll situations and things like that. And – 
you know, like I said, I'm nitpicking here, right? We all we all know John Rant's on the floor. This team is much better. Like I'm not. That is not an argument I'm making. I just want to see how different it'll look. Do I think the Grizzlies will win this game just like they won the last one? Yes, of course. But I want to see how different it'll look. How different? Because I think at the end of the day, we've seen an aggressive Jaron Jackson Jr. in this last game. We've seen an aggressive Dez. We've seen an aggressive Dylan. We've seen an aggressive Tyus. All those guys need to keep that same aggressiveness with John Morant in the lineup. I think that's when the Grizzlies are peaking. Uh, you you don't want Dez to, to, to just be a spot-up three-point shooter when John Morant's in the lineup. You don't want uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. taking five three-pointers on 10-shot attempts when John Morant is in the lineup. And he, albeit he has been doing a better job of, you know, being forceful. But my point is, I just want to see how different it's going to look, Joe. It's going to look different because John Morant just brings a completely different presence to the floor. No disrespect to Tyus Jones. He doesn't have the physical ability that John Morant does. He doesn't have the handle of Morant. I would argue he doesn't have the vision in terms of passing that Morant does. He's just that elite of a point guard and is playing at that high of a level. But you're exactly right. When you're playing with a player of that caliber and you hear role players say this all the time in interviews, you're playing with Michael Jordan, you're playing with Luka Doncic. You know, um, you watch Luka Doncic play, and especially in key moments, they give the ball to Luka, and the other four guys are four out around the three-point line getting the yep. hell out of the way, yeah. right? I think that happens with the Grizzlies sometimes. You know, John Morant, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not going to start a war in the comments. Luka is playing better than Ja, but for the Grizzlies, John Morant is the same player in terms of importance. So here's John Morant, four out the other way, get the heck out of Dodge and let Morant work. Sometimes that's good, effective offense, especially late in games where you're trying to draw a foul, something like that. But to your point, when you're in you know, the seven-minute mark of the third quarter, you want to see offense being produced. You want to see sets being run, balls yeah. being – or uh, the basketball being moved, swung from side to side. You want to see skip passes. You want to see continued backdoor cuts. That's something that I've always wanted to see the Grizzlies do a little more of is more activity toward and at the basket off ball. Um you want to see more of those things, and they have a greater propensity to occur, it seems, when Morant is on the bench as opposed to when he's on the floor. Because, again, when in doubt, call 12. That's worked yeah. for the Grizzlies several times throughout his young career already. So it's hard to be too hard on him for that. It, 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 I mean, you're right. You're right. And when we think about the fourth quarters, that's that's the time when I really lock into, like, okay, how are they going to get through these mm-hmm. fourth quarters when he's not in the game? When he's in the game – the fourth quarter, you know where the ball is going. And kind of Desmond Bain in the first part of the season before the toe injury, the way he played off of John Morant in those fourth quarters, he was averaging 10 points a game in the fourth quarter before he got hurt. I think he was top in the NBA, top two in the NBA at that point. So uh, you you want to see more of that. But the main thing, I just want to see the aggressiveness. You know, the aggressiveness has to continue. You got to think about, like, at this point, have we seen all four of those guys peaking at the same time. And then the four guys that I'm that I'm mentioning here are John Morant, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, and Jaron Jackson Jr. I think, I mean, Steven Adams, I'm I didn't mention his name because he's probably the most consistent, arguably one of the most consistent guys. You know, every night Steven Adams is going to give you, you know, three, four offensive rebounds. He's going to set hard screens. He's going to get a guys open. He's going to make a couple of nice back cut, you know, passes on back cuts and things like that. The only thing, I mean, Steven Adams doesn't even foul a lot. So, you know, Steven Adams is going to be a factor overall. But is Dez going to shoot well? Is Dez going to, 
you know, finish better at the rim than what we've been seeing so far, uh, you know, through this stretch since he's gotten back. Is Jaron Jackson Jr. going to consistently, you know, be aggressive like that game against the Magic, right? We we saw him. I mean, he scored pretty much all of his points in the paint. Mm-hmm. I mean, we haven't seen that from Jaron. I mean, is that going to be this new Jaron? Uh, it's all about the aggressiveness of these guys, and it's not just with this game. You want to see the Grizzlies go as far as they potentially could. That's the key because, I mean, you the, the Warriors are the standard. Just being honest, I know people aren't too fond of the Warriors around here, but they are the standard. And one thing you can say about the Warriors is during their run, you've never had to worry about Klay Thompson's aggressiveness, you know, playing alongside of Steph Curry. Uh, you you didn't have to worry about, you know, Draymond's, you know, aggressiveness in his playing style. You know, you might want him to shoot the ball, but Draymond is very decisive, you know, with the way that he plays basketball. You know exactly what you're going to get. And, you know, even when Kevin Durant was there, you didn't have to – you still didn't have to worry about, you know, Klay Thompson's aggressiveness. He always was going to get his shots. It has to be the same way for Desmond Bain. You need the same forcefulness from Jaron Jackson Jr. And I think that will afford you opportunities like, oh, Josh shooting 8 of 20 today. You know Des is going to get to it. You know Jaron's mm-hmm. going to get to it and so forth. I think uh, this game right here is a big kind of starting point, a big key to the Grizzlies kind of showing uh, that they can be that team where it says, hey, all of our guys can have it clicking on the same night. Haven't seen that yet consistently. And until we do see that, we don't really know what the ceiling of this team is makes trade deadline rumors less fun and all that sort of stuff. Still figuring out how good Memphis actually can be. They're one of the top five teams in the NBA without all of their best players playing well at the same time. Maybe against the Spurs, the second time they've seen the team, one of these mini series that the NBA is doing now to cut back on travel a little bit, uh, which is great. I think that's very smart of them. Um, It'll be interesting to see how it all kind of plays out and shakes out here in this second game and how Morant alters the look of the Grizzlies. I think you're exactly right. It's going to look different, but it's going to be a wonderful opportunity against the same opponent, same Grizzlies, just with John Morant added to the fold. How the game plan shifts and changes on both ends is well worth watching in tonight's game. Thanks for making Lockdown Grizzlies your first listen today. Now make your second listen game to game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result, Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, DeMichael, the next time that Locked On Grizzlies is on, we'll have a second Grizzly Spurs game to talk about. We'll see how John Morant did and how he performed, and maybe those top four guys finally got it together against a young Spurs team that is uh, – more likely to lose than win. They're pesky. You, they, they will not lay down. A, a great Popovich team will not quit. Yeah. I mean, you, you see the two Grizzlies games so far against them. The, the overtime win, 124-122. The Grizzlies mm-hmm. have to crawl out of that one. And then this last game, I mean, it looked like they had control of it. And then in the fourth quarter, all of a sudden, Josh Richardson gets hot and a couple other guys get going tight. I mean, not Tyus, <laughs> Trey Jones. Trey Jones. Brother, starts making the floater over Big Brother, and the Spurs took the lead, and the Grizzlies handled some adversity there. So I think, you know, this is a team kind of to overlook. Uh, they do have the worst of margin of defeat in the NBA, but we haven't seen that against the Grizzlies so far. Because Greg Popovich hates the Grizzlies, and he always will. He might say nice things, you guys have a fun team, enjoy it, all that sort of stuff. Going back to the 2011 playoff series against Super Zebo, yeah, uh, where, where the eight-seed Grizzlies knocked off the one-seed Spurs, Greg Popovich will always hate the Grizzlies. He's been hard on him ever since. Um, 
always pick the Spurs to cover now uh, when the Grizzlies and the Spurs play. Don't actually do that because I'll be wrong and you'll yell at me for losing your money. Um, but that's what we'll talk about next time we're here on Locked On Grizzlies. For DeMichael Cole of the Commercial Appeal, thank you so much, DeMichael. I'm Joe Mullinax. Make sure you're rating, reviewing, subscribing, wherever you get your podcasts, liking and commenting on YouTube, and continue to make us here at Locked On Grizzlies part of your NBA and Memphis Grizzlies experience. It is much appreciated. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Until then, stay locked in, Grizzlies fans. This is Locked on Grizzlies.